Let's look at the Word of God. I, I really want to just pour my heart out to you. And I would like for all of us to, to receive and internalize the Word of God. Internalize what God is saying. Internalize what God is doing. Allow that to be who you are. Uh, and so we're going to look at Romans. And in this book of Romans, we find that Paul is educating in a, in a real sense the people of God because they are doing well outwardly. They are doing very, very well. They are thriving in the midst of a pagan society, but they need to grow properly. It's not enough that we are quote-unquote growing and we are learning new things, but are we growing properly? And so Paul writes this systematic uh, epistle, this what we call the book, and it is so such a, an amazing book. It's so daunting. It's, it is so filled with, with good, um, good things from the Word of God. I, I was going to say understanding and theology, those kinds of things, the study of God, God's intent, God's purposes. And it's just a, a, an amazingly clear book if you understand it. <laughs> so I, I want to start in Romans chapter 8. I would like to start in verse 2 rather than verse 4. Um, and we're going to talk about the law here, and I wanted to catch up with the law because so often you'll hear believers talk about the law, the law, and we don't understand the law, and it, that is the law of God. We don't quite understand it. Actually, I don't always understand the laws of the USA. I don't. I remember some one time saying to um, Brother Eric, one of our elders, <clears throat> somebody had done some work for us, and they didn't pay their bill. And uh, we got a call that said, Pastor Lavelle, I, I know, I'm, I'm sure you've already paid this person, but uh, they didn't pay us, and so we're going to have to set a, have a lien against. And I said, don't you do that. We paid, you know. And he said, well, we're, we're going to put a lien. I said, no, I'll put a lien on you. You're not going to do that. <laughs> so, I mean, I've grown a lot, you know. I've grown a lot. I promise you, I didn't have my fist balled up or my hands inside my pocket, none of that. But, uh, and so I went to uh, Brother Eric and I said, did you, you, the audacity, did you see? He said, that's the law, Pastor. I said, what? Just the law. Sometimes we are living and we don't understand the law and what it means. The law is those rules that, that define correct uh, procedures of behavior. You know, they're, they're, the law said, at one juncture said you couldn't spit on the sidewalk. You know, it was a law. You couldn't spit. You could be arrested for spitting on the sidewalk, or, or you don't. Uh, the law says you stay in the in, in America in the right and in, in the right lane and right hand lane. You stay in that lane. You don't drift over. You're supposed to learn how to stay in your lane. Well, just as you, you that is a law that you you don't drive on the left side. You drive on the right side. Then uh, when you drive on the left side, you're a lawbreaker. You're a lawbreaker. There's many of us who don't seem to know God's laws, let alone the laws of, of the USA or whatever nation you're in. So, so this also, when we talk about the law, Paul talks about, uh, it's God, has to do with God's system of rules uh, uh, which regulate our acts, our actions, um, whatever his, uh, he want, how he wants us to comport ourselves. So that's what we have to do with when we think of God's law. And then also he imposes penalties when we break those laws. You know, the, like for example, this is a scary one. The soul that sins shall die. Ooh. 
Yeah. And so that doesn't just mean you're going to die a physical death, but you're going to die spiritually. Now, so let's look at verse 2, what Paul says, for the law of the spirit of life. And, and you can, if you want to, if you take notes, you can just sort of accent that or underline it. It's the spirit of life. He says, for the law, there's a law of the spirit of life. So the spirit of life is a law. And it says, in Christ Jesus. Where is it located? In Christ Jesus. And so this, the law of the spirit of life is located in one person. And if you don't have that person, you will not have eternal life. It doesn't matter all the good deeds you've done. I'm a good person. I've heard that so many times, you know, and that's usually thou protesteth too much, right? You know, uh, because this law, there's a law, it's an unbreakable, immutable, that means unchangeable principle that if you want eternal life, you must have the son, all right? So, so this law is immutable, unchangeable. And God's law we've, we've found to be, it's, it's a holy it's just, that means it is righteous. It is just and it is good. So there's no problem with the law. No matter, we say, well, the law, law. Now that's the law, that's the law. No, you mean legalism. You, you mean uh, taking something too far. But the law is what? Holy? It is just, which means it's righteous and good. And it has, the law has a right to demand of you. All right? So verse 2 says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has done something for you. You're a believer. It has done something for you. What has it done? Made me free from the law of sin and death. You, you can join me, all right? Okay, let's do it again. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to stop you. For the law of what? The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law of sin and death, destruction, all that has no authority over you. Why? Because you don't even live in his realm. You don't live in that sphere. You do not live in that sphere. You know, so often you, you'll, you, we can tell a, a believer a, a biblical truth and they'll try to argue against it. You know, one, one biblical truth that, that I really love, and I know that when I've shared with you, I grew up much of my life not knowing it because I, I grew up in a very good church. And I don't want you to ever think that the church I grew up in was bad or I am against churches that believe that you can, you can go to hell once you're saved. I, I'm not ever against that because I learned much good there. But I was so scared to death that my salvation, which depended on Jesus, was now dependent on me. And I, I, that was so embedded, it was hard for me to get it out. Now, I want to get the truth in you so it's impossible, not just hard, to get it out. Yeah. Because there's a law at work, and it's God's law called the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So this principle of this is this principle of the spirit of life is a law. The principle. And that means it's that it's accepted. It's an accepted uh, rule of conduct of action for all of us. Let, let me give you some some witnesses. I love the call witnesses. I always wanted to be a lawyer, right? And so I, I've taken this opportunity to to be a lawyer in front of y'all. Uh, so let me call some witnesses to the stand. Let's call 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, 9 through 12. And let's see what, what John witnesses. 
says, if we receive the witness of men, and, and we do receive the witness of men, don't we? To go to a courtroom, we receive the witness of men. The witness of God is greater. So he wants to put you on right footing. Uh, for this is the witness of God. This is how God, now God, God is the chief, uh, he's the judge, he's the, the supreme judge of, of the universe in his courtroom, but he is also gonna call himself as a witness. <laughs> I like that. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, for this is the witness of God that he has testified of his son. This is, the, this is what God testifies. Now, wh now, what do we know about God? Let, let me tell you. There are a lot of things we know about God. So let me tell you. It is impossible for him to lie. Uh, it's, it's impossible for God to lie. The, the late uh, uh, Benson Idahosa used to say, he said, God cannot lie. I can hear him in that really beautiful uh, Nigerian British mixed accent. He said, it is impossible for God to lie, he said. If God says you're, you're this, you're that. He says, if God says you're a monkey, you are a monkey. He said, I never, it was so powerful. I thought, wow. He says, whatever God says is true. It's impossible for him to lie. God says you're saved, you are saved. Yeah, yeah, he says, so, so whatever God says is true, so God is his own witness. He says, this is what God says, verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. And, and, and let me go further. He who has the son has life. Not biological life, but he who has the son has zoe life, has the life of the spirit of God, has eternality working in his mortal body. That's big to me. So he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Doesn't matter how you love them. They don't have life. So let's look at verse 3. For what the law could not do. Now what did we say the law could not do? Could not make one righteous. It could, it could condemn you, instruct you, could not make you righteous. So for what the law could not do, that is make you righteous, in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And I want to, to just reiterate the fact that, that Jesus Christ was not sinful in any regard. Jesus Christ came like us. And I gave you the example last time that you and I are like everybody else on the outside, but we are totally different the polar opposite on the inside. We look like we are perishing just like they are, but we have the imperishable seed of the Word of God within us. Paul wants every believer to know that because you're going to get in some scrapes in life. You're going to get into some things you don't want to, uh, to get into. You don't, you don't want uh, to deal with death, death and destruction. You don't want to deal with lying and liars. You don't want to deal with all of that confusion, all of that. But you're going to have to confront that. So you need to be fortified. So Jesus wants you to be fortified. And Paul, uh, by the Holy Spirit, is writing this. So amazingly powerful. So what Jesus did, he judged sin in the flesh. 
he judged sin in the flesh. So, so the, the, the human being, the person who does not receive Jesus is worthy of punishment. But those of us who have received Jesus have been taken out of the, the sphere, the realm of punishment, of wrath. All right? Let's look at verse 4. And let me read a little bit of verse 3 and connect them. The last part of verse 3. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. And so the righteous requirement of the law is, that, uh, is fulfilled, that is brought to completion in us. Why? Because we don't walk in that realm anymore. We don't walk according to the dictates of our natural humanity. We do not walk. Now, let me say this. Our lifestyle is not one of walking that way. So the Bible doesn't say, when you sin, you have an advocate. He says, if you sin. So what I'm saying is, sin ought not be as common to you as the common cold. It should not be so common. I, I, I'm not speaking of an outward perfection. I am not speaking of an outward perfection. Because if, the moment I would, if I were to say, okay, you can be perfect, you can be perfect in every way, then what's going to happen is somebody's going to find a little tiny bit of an inclusion in me. That is some imperfection. Yeah. You know, it's like... Uh, you know, somebody said, you really say, yeah, you really say, do you, you, you never sin? No, no, I, I never sin. What if I were to say, oh, I never sin? And they just slapped me real good. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, or, or they just punch somebody you really love right there next to you. You know, so, so we would be tested. So I'm not talking about an outward perfection. I'm talking about an inner perfection. I'm saying that as long as we are in this body, we're not in the flesh because we don't walk according to the dictates of what our old nature. We are in the spirit. Why? Because the spirit of God dwells in us. And, and, and we have been brought out of that particular sphere or realm into the realm, I call it the Christ sphere or the realm of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants us to understand and know. And when you and I know this and we know that we know, we walk differently. I can tell you from my own experience and from the experiences of others, we walk differently. And this is why Paul is, is giving us this understanding. Okay? We do not walk according to the flesh, but we now walk according to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, not your personal spirit. Acts chapter 13. Let's look at Acts 13, th uh, verses 38 through and 39, and we're going to call uh, Brother Luke to the stand, all right? Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, who is the man? Y'all kind of tepid. Okay, Jesus, through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. So God removes all sins. He exonerates you uh, from all sins. That's amazing to me. Come on, I mean, that's huge. Every one of us ought to really be excited about that. Can you say, I don't want you to dwell on it, but just think about one sin that you've committed since you woke up even. <laughs> 
But, but just one sin you committed and say, God's forgiven me for that. That's big. And, and so what he has done, he has forgiven you of sins. Verse 38 says, and by him, by Jesus, everyone who believes is justified, declared righteous, declared innocent from all things from which you could not be justified or made righteous by the law of Moses. The law of Moses was not there to make you righteous. Wow. Now look at Acts 13, uh, verses 40 to 41. It says, beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. And, the, and, the, and when the scripture gives us these warnings, the scripture is not contradicting itself, or, or the scriptures do not contradict themselves. So, the scriptures, yeah, yeah I said it pretty good. So, so the scripture is not contradicting itself. So, here we go. He says this because there are people who follow, but they're never in. They follow the Lord. They, they hang around with believers, but they never really give themselves to God. And so, he's, ta- he's saying, beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe. The one were to declare to you. Say, so, hey, be careful. You know, walk by the Spirit, not uh, by the flesh. Romans 6, uh, verses 3 through 4, further explains these, uh, uh, Romans 8, 2, 3, and 4. Let's look at Romans 6, 3, and 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So he, he wants us... To, to really understand that. And that's what Paul is saying in chapter 8. That you and I have been baptized into death. We've been taken into Christ's death. But we've been baptized into his death. Therefore, we were, as, as a result of that, we were buried with Jesus, with him, through baptism into death. So that means that, that in God's eyes, we, die, we have died in Christ to the old realm, to the, that realm where we were born into as natural people. We, were, we have died to that. Now, I don't want you to just to say, okay, this is too much. I can't get it. You know, I want you to just listen. Listen, because this is so, so tough. Pa- Peter says, Paul says things hard to understand. He said, and, and, and unstable people wrestle with them. So if you're wrestling with them, uh-oh. So, so, so don't wrestle with it, okay? Don't wrestle with it. Just listen. Just listen. Just listen. Just listen. And, 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 and find out. This is what God did. Remember, uh, let me take you back quickly. Jesus didn't only die for you. Since we were little tykes, we've heard, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. That is true. Now, we've also learned in this church that one truth doesn't negate another. Right? So Jesus died for you, absolutely true. Jesus died as you, absolutely true. So when what Jesus did, the innocent died for the guilty. The, the godly died for the ungodly and died as the ungodly. So when Jesus, because, let me give you another example. The, the, the scripture says in Exodus chapter 12, he talks about um, the Passover and God told Moses and Aaron to tell the children of Israel to get this lamb and a lamb for a household. One lamb for a household, right? So this lamb, the blood of this lamb would be put on the doorposts and the lintel. 
not on the on the threshold. Uh, no, no, but on the doorpost and the lintel. And and so when the death angel saw, that is the one who had a right to take the life, saw the blood, they'd have to keep going. Because the blood has power to save. It, it, the blood cannot lose its power to save. All right? But now the point here for all of us is that one lamb for a household, everybody under the sound of my voice, even those of you who are online, you are a part of one household. Doesn't matter how you look, doesn't matter what kind of hair you have or whether you have no hair, you're a part of one household, Adam's household. And so that there only needed to be one sacrifice for you. Hallelujah, somebody. Yeah. So, so Jesus died for Adam's race, period. That's it's sufficient. It's sufficient. And remember, the blood will not and cannot lose its power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so we got to understand what God did. God, this is so wise. Can I just be honest with you? I really enjoy smart people. I, I, I do. I, I do. I, honestly, I hope that doesn't make you feel bad because everybody's smart in something. Some of us just smart mouth, but we're smart in something. <laughs> yeah. But, but I just love being around smart people. And I love to see people good at their craft. And, and I like talking to people and, and, and like this. God is just, excuse me, if I, Lord, he's just so intelligent, so smart, so amazing. Who would have thought of it? One lamb for the whole human race. One sacrifice forever. Amazing. Who would have thought, thought about, I'm going to send my son that look, who looks like, just like every other human, but he's different. He's sinless. You and I are that to the world. So let's don't act like them. You're a son, a son of God. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. So it's, it was important, and Paul brings this revelation in an amazing way. Y'all know I told you that I, I, when, in the days of my misunderstanding and not understanding, I told God I didn't like Paul. Y'all remember that? And then God, you know, this guy and I, we, would have gotten, we wouldn't have gotten along. I guess God said, oh, man, DG. But I, would, I did tell God all that. But the, God used him do some of the amazing things that Peter, somebody who walked with Jesus, touched Jesus, felt Jesus, ate with Jesus, slept in the same room with Jesus, didn't even grasp it to this degree, I believe. And he says, it's hard to understand. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Peter had this great respect for this fellow traveler, Paul understood this, that, that we were buried with Christ through a baptism into death and that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, since we shared in the death, it's impossible that we not share in the resurrection. That's so Paul wants the, the Christians in Rome, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, to know that God has sown this thing 
to such a degree that your responsibility and lifestyle should be one after the Spirit, according to the Spirit, and never after or according to the person you used to be. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. He says, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So Christ walks in a different kind of life, right? So Christ, this is the Jesus who walked the earth is not, he is the same Jesus in the body in one sense, but no, he lives in a different sphere now. And, and what I was, was, uh, was wanting to say earlier is that Paul grasped this because Christ, unlike Peter, I'm sorry, Paul, unlike Peter, did not know the Jesus who walked the earth. Paul met the resurrected Christ. And this amazing revelation came because he knew and was, and was acquainted with the resurrected Christ. You and I don't need to walk in the footsteps of the natural. We need to walk in the footsteps of those who met the resurrection, resurrected Christ, like Paul. So I think that God is saying something to us is that we ought to grasp this amazing revelation of who we are and what God has done for us, done in us. We should... Uh, receive it, adopt it, grasp it like Paul. I believe that's what he's saying. Why? Because Paul understood this revelation as no other. Okay, I think I've said enough there. Can we go, let me read a few more things. I won't try to expound on them. And then you'll give me about, all right, about five, all right? Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, not by sight. Galatians 5.16, Paul gives us a command, walk in the spirit. If I were to say to you, walk down the street, and there's no street there, you couldn't walk there. But he says, walk in the spirit. Why? Because the spirit is there. The spirit is in you, and you are in that sphere. You're in the realm. So you can walk in the spirit. You can walk like God wants you to walk. Yeah, you can. Why? Empowered by the spirit of living Christ. That's what Paul wants us to know. Now listen to what he says. So he says, walk in the spirit and what, what will happen? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What Paul is saying is the flesh is one realm or one sphere and the spirit is another realm or another sphere. You can't walk in them both at the same time. He says, if you're walking in the spirit, you cannot walk in the flesh. That's true. That is so true. We, we could elaborate on that later. Colossians, let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. A lot of witnesses, right? Let's look at them. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now, if, he's talking about maybe somebody who has a doubt, but he's also, we could say, since you were raised with Christ. All right? Because we know we have been. So we don't have to use the conditional if. Since we were raised with Christ... What we're to do? Seek those things which are above. Wow. Where? Christ is. Where Christ is. Now let's go on. Sitting. <laughs> Where Christ is. Period. Where Christ is. 
sitting at the right hand of God. So he is saying our lifestyle should be seeking those things where Christ is, located in Christ, at the very right hand of God. So, so, so God, Christ, was raised from the dead, and now his life is 100% Godward. It's not about sin and all of that. It's Godward. He says, you were raised, so Godward. So where is your, where is your focus? The Godward, the throne of God. That's what he's saying. You can have that lifestyle. You say, well, it's so hard. It's not so hard if you, if you believe. Now, this is what he goes on to say. Set your mind. Set your mind. Fix your mind. Have, your, the, un, have an understanding of where your mind's supposed to be. Direct your mind. Why? Set your mind on things above. You said it. God's done all the work. You said it. You know, if, if somebody buy, buys, one, someone buys you a clock and, and they, they get it all fixed up and the batteries are all there or whatever, and they say, uh, set the time. You say, I, I don't know how. What is, that, what is that about? You know? Okay, it's uh, such and such a time. I'm not going to tell you what time it is. <laughs> it's such and such a time. And, uh, and you say, oh, well, I still can't set it. Well, there's a little, the little, uh, or whatever you call that thing. The little dial. Let's dial it up. Well, I don't know. You, could you put your hand on my hand and do it for me? What's your problem? What's your problem? That's what he's telling us to do. What's our problem? What's my problem? Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. How is it that you're able to do that? For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You can set your mind. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this body, the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live because I believe. I, I live because I trust. I live because I'm a recipient of the grace of God. And the grace of God has brought me to faith. And faith has delivered me into more grace in which I'm standing and operating. Amen. He said, come on, boy. You died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on things above. Stop thinking about things on this earth. That's, that was my daddy talking to me right there. <laughs> okay. Verse 5. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, what do they do? Set their, read it. Set their minds on what? The things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, let me add, add these words, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now John tells us in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Wow, say it one more time. That which is born of the Spirit is? Spirit. Wow, 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 wow. So let me run quickly to uh, verse 6. Verse 6 says, of Romans 8, 6, says, For to be carnally minded is death. That means fleshly, natural. 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. This doesn't mean natural life and, and natural quote-unquote peace. But this means this is the life of God and the peace of God. The life of God and the peace of God. So God has breathed this not only on us but into us. Wow. Listen, there's so much more I want to say. But we'll have to do it another time. I, I, I just want us to understand who we are. And let's not be so smart that nobody can teach us anything. I remember this, this pastor my wife used to listen to a lot, watch on TV. Can't remember his name, but uh, right now, very, very uh, good man of God. Somebody asked him one day, they said, what's the hardest job you have as a pastor? He said, trying to get people to heaven who don't want to go. And sometimes that's not my job. I'm, that's not my hardest job. My hardest job is trying to get people to believe what God said rather than what somebody told them other than God. If God hasn't saved you, you're already lost. But when God saves you, I don't mean you shook a preacher's hand, but you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God saves you. He keeps you. And there is no power, no entity that can snatch you. God saved you through the death of his son. And that son of God, who had done no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, on the third day, he had not sinned. He got out of the grave, resurrected. And he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Were you to ask me, how do you know? I know that 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 I know and no one can take it away. And how is that? It's by the grace that brought me to faith that brought me to grace. And so did you. I want you to think about it. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to think about it. And I don't want you to debate with yourself and tell yourself that not today, but the day you hear his voice, the moment you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but give yourself to him immediately because you don't know what's going to happen in the next minute or the next hour. I'll be back in just a minute.